The Truth News Network. You ever get the idea Rod Serling was standing behind you saying, I don't believe this. The world is upside down, and you need a helmsman who can steer the shifting currents. You need the truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. You need Dan Newman. And that helmsman is here, folks. Good morning. Welcome to TNN Live. Wow. What a full day yesterday. What a big day today is ahead for everybody in the United States, especially those in Washington, that just happened to number a a bunch of um, Democrats from the Texas state legislature, specifically from the Senate. We'll get a little bit more into that a bit later in the show. There are so many things we need to delve in today. Let's do kind of a synopsis. Uh, We're going to talk about um, some hard leftist opinion about how we should operate and how our government should operate about who, why, when should be vaccinated for COVID-19. And what do we do about those who refuse? The governor of Ohio steps up and does something really big in the world of COVID. And we've got some new adverse effects, death numbers for you from around the nation, from the CDC. A lot more going on. What about the mess down in Cuba? What about how the United States is reacting to that problem with the Cuban communist government by the Cuban people? I mean, folks, they're 90 miles away from the United States. You would think, you know, we who are totally in the tank for everything to do with China that's exactly opposite us on the world, 90 miles away? And we're really not doing anything. We're really not even at the government level talking about very much. A whole lot more going on. Voter reform stuff. O-M-G. It has just exploded. And everybody is taking a stand. And they're saying definitive things. This is true. That's not true. Listen to us. Don't listen to them. We're the protectors. They're the evil ones. Have you noticed, have you listened to the uproar? Did you hear any at all from the speech that President Biden gave in Philadelphia two days ago about all of the chaos regarding voter reform laws and that how evil these state legislatures around the nation are for tearing up the voting rights of members of the minority community here in the United States? So let's do this to start the show. If you've wondered about what's in that, you remember the first one, the first law to be passed in voter reform after the November 3rd election, that would be the Georgia, the Peach State, and their voter reform law. And of course, Stacey Abram, who is from Georgia, failed in a um, Democrat run for the governorship, and then became a self-appointed Democrat advocate, rights advocate. And she's the one that set the world on fire when that law was passed. She went to Major League Baseball. She got them to cancel the Major League Baseball All-Star game that was to be played just a few nights ago in Atlanta. And all of those African-American business owners in a proximity of the stadium in Atlanta, they would have made a fortune if the MLB had left that game there. They lost, according to Economist, 
about $100 million. Why don't we look at what the real facts are about that law specifically? Which brings up a question. Have you heard any of these detractors on the national level or the state levels? Have you heard any one of them bring up any specifics from that law that prove the law contains voter suppression? You haven't heard it. You can't think of a thing. You haven't heard any of it. Why is that? Because there are none, folks. And so instead of listening to this noise and just benignly accepting what you're hearing, we decided to dig in. And we did just that. But we didn't stop at the Georgia law. We went to Texas, which is the latest one. That's the one that's on the newspaper headlines every day because the Democrats in the Senate got on a charter plane and left to keep from having to vote on the bill, two bills, in fact, that were before their legislation on voter reform in Texas. So let's look first at the Georgia law. And I'm I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to approach this from a conservative perspective. I'm going to give you some information straight from USA Today. Now, you and I both know USA Today is owned by Gannett, USA Today is hard, hard, hard left in their political coverage. So you wouldn't expect to get much um, down-the-middle, actual, straight-line reporting on any issue as controversial as voter law. So keep that in your mind when you hear what they reported. First of all, what does this bill include? Well, special ballots will be created for nonpartisan elections. Ballots must be printed in black and white ink on security paper. A cutoff date of 11 days before a primary, a general election, or a runoff election for mail-in ballot applications. 11 days. A deadline for the issuance of absentee ballots at least 25 days before a federal primary, before a general election or a special election, or 22 days before a municipal general election or primary. A Georgia state driver's license number or ID card number, date of birth, and the last four digits of a social security number or any other approved form of identification must be printed on the outside of an absentee ballot. Conditions for rejecting absentee ballots if certain requirements are not met. So how are we doing so far? Smell any voter suppression in those? Well, let's just keep going. What about early voting? Okay, early voting. They had it in Georgia. Well, this law, contrary to what you've been told, this law expands in-person early voting for general elections. Two early voting periods are required on a Saturday for each county across the state with optional voting on Sunday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Those hours can be extended to 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 12 hours. In prior elections, early voting began on the fourth Monday before a primary or election and ended the Friday before an election day, according to the state's official website. For runoff elections, voting began as soon as possible before election day. Let's move on. A board of registrars or absentee ballot clerk may supply one drop box for absentee by mail voters 
at the respective offices or inside advanced voting locations. Additional drop boxes are restricted to one per 100,000 active registered voters in a county or the number of advanced voting locations. The boxes are only accessible during advanced voting. The number of drop boxes for Georgia's four most populous counties, those would be Fulton, Cobb, DeKalb, and Gwinnett, will drop from 94 in 2020 to 23 in 2022. Now, in the context, put this all in context. Did you know that before the November 3rd election, before COVID-19, there were no vote drop boxes anywhere in the state of Georgia? The legislature elected to make them available now in every election going forward. The mobile voting program was launched in Fulton County, Georgia, where Atlanta is located, near the end of 2020, in part to service voters who have disabilities. That's according to the county's official website. The buses were also alternatives to long lines at polling locations. The new Georgia voting law restricts buses and other readily movable facilities to emergency use only. County superintendents may provide portable polling facilities for a given precinct at their own discretion. Now, there certainly are other elements in the law regarding who can give refreshments for voters waiting in line, who can pick up ballots for mail-in voters, but nowhere, folks, nowhere, can I find anything even close to be called voter suppression. Yet major corporations like Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, even Major League Baseball publicly decried the law as Jim Crow and stealing voter rights from minority members of Georgia's populace. Stacey Abrams shamed Major League Baseball into canceling the All-Star game in Atlanta and moving it to Colorado. That alone cost the people of Atlanta, most of the people affected, are African-American. It cost them approximately $100 million in revenue. So here's the bottom line on the Georgia voting law. It is not racist. It contains no racist sections. It does not suppress the votes of any voter. In fact, it it expands the ability of voters and gives them even more options of when and how and where to cast their votes. Can you believe, those are the facts, and those came straight from USA Today who broke the law down. If you're still one of those that is questioning, well, you know what? There may be some other stuff in there that USA Today left out. Do this. On your own, go to the Internet and click on the Georgia New Voter Integrity Law. It'll pop up, and it's there in PDF format. You can download and read for yourself. Don't take it from me. There's nothing, nothing in that law that suppresses votes. So let's move on to Texas. You know, the happy gang. <laughs> you know, they're getting paid each $210 a day per diem. Of course, if you've stayed in D.C. lately, you know you can't get a good hotel room for that, yet alone feed yourself for 24 hours. 
All that being said, they're going to have to come back to town and pay the piper when they get back to Austin sooner or later. Or Texas Governor Greg Abbott said, here's what we're going to do. If they don't hold this hearing, if they don't meet in this session of the Senate, what he's going to do, he says, is he's going to continue to call special elections, which he has the legal authority to do, over and over and over again until the House and Senate get together and they vote on these voter bills, up or down. In other words, do the job of the legislatures for the Texas people. What a novel idea. So there are actually two proposed voting overhaul bills that are pending right now. Democrats have referred to the pair of bills as Jim Crow 2.0, accusing Republicans of trying to suppress the votes of minorities. So let's do this. Let's just take a peekaboo into both of the bills. The first one, Senate Bill Number 1. What a novel title, huh? <laughs> so here's what we did in our story today at truthnewsnet.org on the cover story. Under this section, we put the word Senate Bill 1's provisions in a hyperlink. So you can click on it and see the whole bill. So you don't have to listen to just my opinion, right? So under the bill's provisions, a ban would be implemented on drive through voting or casting a ballot from inside a vehicle unless participating in curbside voting due to a disability. A ban would also be placed on overnight voting, requiring polls to be open a minimum of nine hours from between 6 a.m. and 9 p.m. Election officials would also be required to install a video surveillance system that records vote counting activities, including a live stream made available to the general public in counties with 100,000 residents or more. Those people in large counties would also be required to install tracking software to monitor all input and activity on electronic devices used to count votes. Beginning January 1st, 2024, equipment that does not disable or remove any wireless connectivity capability would be prohibited from use in tabulating votes. Well, what else? SB1 would all allow partisan poll watchers to oversee election activity inside polling places and vote counting centers too, as well as during curbside voting that takes place inside a vehicle. It would also make it a crime to deny access to any poll watcher. In addition, voters would be required to include a driver's license number or the last four digits of a social security number on a vote-by-mail application and the envelope containing their ballot. Individuals who help voters cast their ballots due to a language or physical needs got to fill out a document listing who they are, their address, their relationship to the voter, and whether they're being paid by a candidate or a political committee. Those who drive three or more people to the polls would also be required to fill out a similar form unless all vehicle occupants are family members. And then the Secretary of State is going to be required to work with the Department of Public Safety to provide data monthly from the existing statewide computerized voter registration list to be used to verify citizenship status on voter registration applications. By the way, it's illegal for a non-American to vote in any election. 
at the federal level. Unlike Senate Bill 7, the original voting bill that was killed by Democrats in the state legislature's regular session, SB 1 does not include two controversial provisions. One would have created a process that made it easier to overturn election results based on claims of voter fraud. The other banned Sunday morning voting, which was popular among black churches, souls to the polls events during early voting in the 2020 presidential election. So they pulled those parts out. They were controversial. So what's in the other bill? The House bill. It's called House Bill 3. And again, there's a hyperlink on those words in our story today. You can click on it to see the entirety of House Bill 3 for yourself. It includes many of the same provisions as SB 1. In addition, it would make it a crime for public officials to offer or send vote-by-mail application to those who haven't requested one. Novel idea. The proposals come as Texas looks to join more than 15 other states where Republicans who control the state government have passed laws that tighten voting access rules. This push follows unsubstantiated claims from former President Trump that 2020 election was stolen and rigged. Didn't say it didn't happen. You notice they used the term unsubstantiated claims still to this day. And then besides the election law, other issues on the legislative docket include bail overhaul, border security, social media censorship, legislative branch funding, family violence prevention, limiting transgender student access to school sports, abortion-inducing drugs, additional payments for retired Texas teachers, critical race theory, and budgetary issues. So in summary, folks, let me ask you this. Have you heard what President Biden has claimed about not just these pieces of legislation in Georgia and Texas, but the pending legislation in multiple other states as well? He continually, nonstop, rants and raves about the racism, the egregious suppression of minority votes, refers back to actual days of slavery, and even calls this a return to Jim Crow. Here's the one thing that proves beyond any doubt that the left is petrified of these bills in that Georgia law and other pending legislation that's going to reform states' election systems. They're horrified. The sole purpose of each of these Republican pieces of legislation, they say, is to stop the easy opportunities to perpetrate voter fraud of any kind. That's the sole purpose. How do we know that? Well, again, back to the president. In his speech to hardcore Democrats in Philly on Tuesday, he berated everybody who would give any consideration whatsoever to either those two bills in Texas or all of those who passed and signed into law the Georgia bill. The video to his speech, that segment of his speech is on the story today at the front page of truthnewsnet.org. I'm not going to play the audio bite now, but go look at him and listen to him and see what he said. Let's be very clear, folks. If any part of any of this legislation actually is a type of voter suppression or is racist and evidences racism against minority voters, 
identify the specifics and confront Republican legislators with the facts and negotiate changes in those parts of these bills and that law. Now, isn't that what makes this nation different than any other on earth? Wasn't Joe Biden the consummate legislator throughout his many years in the U.S. Senate, 36 years? Wasn't he the great legislator who prided himself on his ability to find consensus between differing lawmakers with differing opinions? Why will he and fellow Democrats not do so? Why don't they just get together and work out and work through differences instead of going out to the media and just screaming as loud as you possibly can, throwing insults and threats to your people on the other side of the aisle? That's not what they're elected to do. They are elected to craft legislation. And what is driving this obsession to paint pictures of lie after lie, misrepresentation after misrepresentation, and continually just deride Republicans for these already in place or proposed voter law changes? Listen up. Reasonable people can disagree on anything. But unreasonable people refuse to consider the veracity of opposite opinions, period. President Biden campaigned with a promise to unite Americans. There is nothing demonstrated on his part in a single piece of legislation he's put forward or supported, any executive action he has taken unilaterally, any appointment he's made to the federal government, that evidences any willingness by him on his part to unite Americans. In fact, he takes pride in diminishing any and all who disagree with any of his actions, and he does so with blatant disdain and almost hatred. In fact, he does what I'm doing right now. (laughs) He gets mad and he screams. I'm not screaming, I'm a little loud sometimes. You know what? If I didn't know better, I'd think that Joe Biden aspires to be a dictator. Wow, maybe I don't know better. (laughs) My synopsis of this entire debacle, it's simple. If anybody dislikes any part of any law designed to eliminate difficulties for all voters to cast their votes legally and refuses to address each alleged discretion for the purpose of finding consensus... The only viable reason I can arrive at is they most certainly want to leave multiple doors open for the manipulation of actual vote casting and vote tabulation and processing. So I'm going to I'm going to issue you a challenge. If you read this story this morning or if you're listening right now, and you agree with all of the pundits on the left that any of these pieces of legislation will suppress minority votes or is racist or is similar to the days of Jim Crow, feel free right now to call 866-378-7884. Toll free 1-866-37-TRUTH. Come on the show right now. 
We're going we're gonna to talk to you if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, put it in email form. Send it to me at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. We got a bunch of people listening in around the United States and quite honestly in pockets around the world. They need to know the truth too. So do your fellow Americans. So come on, call in and let's chat about it. We will not be ugly. We will give you your say-so. And so all you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 1-866-378-7884. I hope you'll call, or if you don't call, call. I hope you're, you'll write. And if you, if you want your comments to be made public on our website, just do so in the comments section down on the bottom right side of the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. But if you don't want your information to be out there, that's fine. Drop it in an email. I need to be challenged. I need for somebody who stands on the other side that is willing to point to the suppression pieces in this legislation. And you know what? If you feel that way, you owe it to Americans yourself to get out there and pick up a bullhorn and let everybody you can reach know the truth about this because as they tell us again and again and again, the right to vote is the greatest privilege and responsibility we have as Americans. And we must protect every American, every legal individual that has the right to vote per the Constitution. We got to protect that right. And the best way to do it, folks, is when there's problems. When something's wrong, when something's awry, when something's not fair, when something is egregious, we need to find a way to work together to fix it. We don't need to constantly be taking sides. And that means you're right and I'm wrong. Or I'm right and you're wrong. Find a place in the middle. Come on, come back from D.C. Get to Austin and y'all do your jobs for the people of Texas. Let's get this together. We've got to get back together somehow, some way. The show is better when you're a part of it. So be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. 
So the left has the squad. There isn't enough beer to hold to watch what happens next. You are the army of truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. Interesting. Nobody wants to come on the air and talk about the two Texas bills of the Georgia voter law. Interesting. I'm sure we'll get some stuff in writing. That's typically, to be honest with you, here at TNN Live, that's typically the way it happens. And I understand that. You don't want your opinion to be spread around, or especially you don't want it to be tagged as being your opinion. We don't do that here. We don't ask for your for your name when you come on the air. We sometimes would like to get, and we ask for your first name, just so we can um, get a, put in context where you live. We'll ask you where you live, what city, if you're calling from a foreign country, which happens occasionally. Tell us where you're where you're from, and share your thoughts. Do it in writing, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org. So our vaccine situation is back in the news. Man, there are so many things that are consuming our our news time. We've got the mess down in Cuba. Uh, We have our, our voting integrity laws that are being contemplated and are top of the news. But COVID vaccines are really getting a lot of cover. Listen to this story. You know who Stephanie Rule is? She is an MSNBC anchor. I've seen her every once in a while, got to be honest with you. I really don't know much about her, but she kind of got out in front yesterday on her show. And she on her on her show said that airline companies could pay the government back by mandating coronavirus vaccines. Now listen to this concept. She said COVID cases are back on the rise in 48 of the 50 states. And this morning, she's referring to yesterday when her show was live. And this morning, there's growing questions about the role that businesses should be playing in enforcing rules about mask mandates and vaccinations. Remember, folks, she said, the U.S. government spent trillions of dollars in the last year supporting businesses, supporting individuals in our time of need. The question now is, where are these businesses that the government now needs their help? So, another host, this one is CNBC host, Andrew Ross Sorkin, said in response to her, The only way to change the dynamic, especially in places where there is a hesitancy, is to have a requirement. If you can't walk into a Walmart or work at a Walmart without a vaccination, especially in states where there's hesitancy, that's going to actually change the dynamic. If you can't get on an airplane without a vaccination, that's going to change the dynamic. The airlines took an enormous amount of taxpayer money, an enormous amount of taxpayers' money. We have all supported them, and there has been very little support on the other side. And then Rule, the host, said, thanks for saying it. It's important to say it loud. Former Biden administration senior COVID advisor, Andy Slavitt, here's what he said. United Airlines wanted to do that but they faced a ton of opposition and they were alone. They had to ultimately back off. So they're dealing with the same forces that everyone else is dealing with, customers, employers, etc. 
We got to get everybody in the country. We've got to continue to make the case because employers are running into the same wall too. Rule replied, they have to deal with customers. They have to deal with employees. They wouldn't have either one if the government hadn't given them billions and billions of dollars last year. So maybe they could pay the government back and say, yes, we're going to help try to get people vaccinated. For those who are vaccine hesitant, don't just talk to your doctor. Call Donald Trump's doctor. Call Rupert Murdoch's doctor. You don't need to watch their news organizations. You know what their doctors will tell you? Those men got vaccinated. So have you noticed every day, every day, a little new thing slips out somewhere from somebody into the news world about the mandate for vaccines. Now let's just talk for a second about the airlines. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen? Do you think there is one American who is adamantly opposed to the medicine in these vaccinations? Many are afraid for their lives, justifiably so. Every day, new information comes out that verifies there's a lot of something or some things in these vaccines that are unsafe. Folks, there are thousands of people that are dying not from COVID-19. There are people, many people dying from COVID-19. And the numbers, have, at least temporarily, it looks like they have spiked. But the medicine that is being put in people's arms to stop COVID-19 is killing tens of thousands of people at the same time. Does that seem normal to you? Does that seem right to you? Do you remember any other time in history where actual vaccines that were promoted by the federal government and mandated in many cases? In my lifetime, it began with uh, uh, the polio vaccine. And then we went through all of the other, the rubella, the, the mumps, the measles, all of those vaccinations that we had to take as kids. There weren't people dying in the thousands from taking those vaccinations. So what's different? Listen closely. I'm not going to do a Joe. I'm not going to whisper, but I'm going to say softly. They don't know what's in these vaccines and how the ingredients of these vaccines will, are, and almost certainly will continue to impact the lives of people who take these vaccinations. So what's the difference, Dan? I mean, the same process took place with these other vaccines, right? Not at all. As the experts told us, including Tony Ding Dong Fauci a year ago, when this all began, it's going to take at least two to three years to get a vaccine to the marketplace that has been adjudicated to be safe. Well, then, of course, he backed off. He had to change his tune. Why? Because his minions, the people who support him, the people from which he gets paid a lot of money, including Moderna, those vaccine producers, they watered at the mouth when they saw the money in the marketplace. We want to get these to the marketplace quickly. Well, what's the marketplace in the world for COVID-19 vaccines? What is it? It's not widespread as we think it is. It's governments. 
Do you know that not a single American has to pay for a vaccination, a COVID-19 vaccination? Well, in a way, we're all paying for it because it's our tax dollars that are paying for it. Our federal government is spending hundreds of millions of dollars purchasing these vaccines from Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer Corporation. Now, guess what that means? Do you know that the owners and the people at the top and the companies that own these vaccines, their public information about their financial situation, not just the companies, but the individuals, has gone through the roof this last year. Nobody's talking about that. What do we say here at Truth News Network all the time? If you have a question about the why, follow the money. Follow the money. So here's what's happened. There was, don't get me wrong, there was laboratory research done in the case of every one of these vaccines. No question about it. And I'm sure there were preliminary reports that showed that they were very, very workable at stopping COVID-19. But folks, there were not exhaustive animal trials. There were extensive animal trials, and there were a bunch of adverse effects within animals. And so what they would do in the lab is tweak this and tweak that and do some more testing, and then they would tweak this and tweak that and on and on and on, and then there were some very limited uh, human trials. But nothing like is mandated by the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA. This was an aberration of the normal process of getting a new medicine into the marketplace in the world, yet alone here in the United States. And they cut all kinds of corners. And still to this day, every day, you're hearing somebody, like you just heard those two news uh, news reporters, talking about, we got to force people to take the vaccine. We got to force people to take the vaccine. Why is that? Follow the money. Follow the money. Meanwhile, in this fear that is flooding the nation about forced vaccinations, and I got to be honest with you, I'm not a scaredy cat, but I'm a little bit fearful. I don't want, I'm not going to take one voluntarily. Oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't have said that on air. (laughs) Somebody's going to call and say, Dan Newman says he's not taking a vaccine. You need to go to his house. (laughs) I can tell you, I shudder to think about what it would feel like if somebody knocks on my front door. And it's a nice young man, young woman being very kind, but standing behind them is somebody with a gun. And they're saying, Mr. Newman, you're going to have to take this vaccine. Do you know how close we're, we are to that happening right now today? When I was a kid in church, missionaries would come through, evangelists would come through and preach these sermons. This is 30, 40 years ago. And they were going to say the end times are coming. And at the end times, this is probably going to happen. They're going to come to your front door and they're going to call you out and you're going to have to sign something that says you do not believe in Christianity. And it was a fearful feeling. I was a kid. I mean, it was it was scary. It's like, I'm a Christian. I don't want to die just because I'm a Christian. I don't want some government individual to come trying to make me recant my experience with God. 
but it's always kind of been bubbling back that this, this is kind of the same thing we look like we really are close to facing. Thank God for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. Yeah, he's a Republican, one of those evil conservative Americans. I'm sure he's got, he's got slavery in his past. <laughs> Yesterday, he signed a piece of legislation that prevents public schools and colleges in Ohio from requiring people to get a vaccine that has not been fully approved by the FDA, by the way. And none of these have. None of the similar FDA agencies in any country on planet Earth have approved them. They're still emergency, and you know why they're still classified as emergency vaccines? Because they haven't been vetted. There hasn't been enough testing to find out their full effects and impact on Americans and other citizens of the world. His bill that he signed takes effect 90 days. And it targets the COVID vaccine, not the other ones. House Bill 244 prohibits public schools, colleges, universities in Ohio from requiring, quote, an individual to receive a vaccine for which the U.S. FDA has not granted full approval. It also prevents Ohio folks who have not received this vaccine yet from being discriminated against when it comes to being included in certain activities like sports. Isn't it interesting to see that happen? You know what? That just sounds like a reasonable, realistic, and a leadership thing for a governor to do because the panic that just kind of gets in my mind when I think about this, I'm not the only one that gets this, folks. Think about every moment of every day. You're looking over your shoulder, waiting for the COVID cops to come pick you up and force you to go into this room and get a vaccination or you don't get to integrate with anybody in society. Maybe they put us in camps to keep us away from infecting the people that were brave and took the vaccination. It sounds stupid in a way, but it's really not folks. You can't sit there listening and tell me this absolutely positively won't happen. And there are people all around the world that are talking about it pretty loudly now. So did you know that after all the pressure from the right, we got to find out the true source of the COVID-19. We got to find out. And Congress did nothing. This Congress, which is controlled by Democrats, by the way, and Democrats determine what every committee in both houses, the House of Representatives, and the Senate, what they take up to consider. Finally, House Oversight Democrats held a hearing yesterday into the origins of coronavirus. But listen to this. They invited as a witness a guy who was a cohort of Peter Daszak. You remember him? He's the head of EcoHealth Alliance. Now, what is that all about? Remember, that is the entity to which Tony Fauci's CDC, they sent millions of dollars to EcoHealth Alliance that was nothing more than a middle entity to turn around and write a check to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do gain-of-function research, and they were doing it with our tax dollars. So this guy, 
The guy that did that, that was the shill in the middle, Peter Dozik, one of his buddies was called to testify at this oversight committee. The witness, a friend of Dazik's, Stanley Perlman, is a professor of microbiology and immunology at the University of Iowa. And Dazak and this guy together both signed letters in support for the continued scientific cooperation of the U.S. with their colleagues in China despite Beijing's attempts to cover up the virus's origins. So they bring this guy in to testify. Doesn't make much sense to me, but they're Democrats and very little they do or say makes much sense. The first letter these guys sent was in February last year. It pledged solidarity with Chinese scientists and health professionals in China and dismissed the theory that the virus came from that Wuhan lab. And in the letter they said, oh, that's just a conspiracy. Here's how it reads. The rapid, open, and transparent sharing of data on this outbreak is now being threatened by rumors, misinformation around its origins. We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Scientists from multiple countries have published and analyzed genomes of the causation agent, severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus, and they overwhelmingly conclude that this coronavirus originated in wildlife, as have so many other emerging pathogens. Let's stop right there. First of all, that's a bald face lie. Is it bald face or bold face? What's the correct terminology? I don't know what it is. Let's just call it a stinking lie. It's a lie. Well, how do you know it's a lie, Dan? Very simple. You know, every time that um, throughout American history, since we've had modern medicine, when some kind of new disease comes to us and it shows up somewhere and research begins to find out all about it, guess what? Every one of them that comes from an animal, we find out. And you know how we find out? We find an animal that has it in them. So what animal? Where's the source of the SARS-CoV-2 virus? Well, it's bats. It's a specific bat that they found over in China. And people, the Chinese people, like to eat some strange things in animals, and they actually kill and sell bats, and bats are bought at these what they call wet markets throughout China, and there happens to be one within blocks of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And so that has to be the source. But guess what? They can't find a bat and produce a bat that has the virus in it. So that's why this is a lie. But they weren't through. They wrote another letter. July 5th of this year, just a few weeks ago. We reaffirm our expression of solidarity with those in China who confronted the outbreak then and the many health professionals around the world who have since worked to exhaustion and at personal risk in the relentless and continuing battle against this virus. Sounds good, doesn't it? The second intent of our original correspondence was to express our working view that SARS-CoV-2 most likely originated in nature and not in a laboratory on the basis of early genetic analysis of the new virus and well-established evidence from previous emerging infectious diseases 
including the coronaviruses that caused the common cold, as well as the original SARS-CoV and MERS-CoV. They weren't through. Opinions, however, are neither data nor conclusions. Evidence obtained using the scientific method must inform our understanding and be the basis for interpretation of the available information. The process is not error-free. Here's the caveat. We've got an out. We've got an out. You know, it's not error-free. But it is self-correcting as good scientists endeavor to continually ask new questions, apply new methodologies as they are developed, and revise their conclusions through an open and transparent sharing of data and ongoing dialogue. Now, what, what, what's that all about? Let me tell you what it's about. I promise you, I'm going to make a prediction. They're going to come back. They're going to find where that, car, that SARS-CoV virus came from, or they may already know. They're opening the door here. Quote, the process is not error-free, but it is self-correcting as good scientists endeavor to continually ask new questions, apply new methodologies as they are developed, and revise their conclusions through an open and transparent sharing of data and ongoing dialogue. This is what we call in America CYA. Cover your booty. Let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to be revealed. Guess what? It was manipulated in a laboratory, not in just one, but yeah, there were two scientists that left Wuhan and went to Canada and worked very secretly in a lab there. And then in the middle of the night, we reported this over a year ago, this particular thing. Nobody else talks about it. We got it from an independent news source in the Middle East that is non-government related, non-big money related, but they find stuff that impacts most of Europe and other places around the world, and they put it out there even before they're able to confirm it. But in this case, they proved it. We published the names of these two scientists, and they disappeared mysteriously in the middle of the night from Canada, went back to Wuhan, China, went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology where they work, and these are the two that died? They're opening the door here to make themselves look good when it's revealed, aha, it was manipulated. It was made in a laboratory. And then the big thing's going to come out. Who was it that made it? We funded gain-of-function research in that laboratory because Dr. Fauci told us to. Think about that. The Facts, Nothing But, with Dan Newman and you. Monday through Friday, TNN, the Truth News Network. 
to rip him off? Yes, Dorothy. A reporter and crew from New Center 7 Wastebusters are here to see you, sir. New Center 7? Wastebusters. They expose mind-boggling waste of taxpayers' money right here in the Miami Valley. What do they want with me? They said you sold the government a ballpoint pen, sir. So? For $1,000. Well, it came with refills. And a jar of paper clips for $2,000. They were multicolored paper clips. Uh-huh. Red ones, blue ones. What should I tell the Wastebusters, sir? Do they have lights and cameras? And the ballpoint pen, sir. Tell them I went out my window, down the fire escape, and then booked down the street screaming like a madman. I don't think they'll believe that, sir. Mr. Ripamoff? Watch New Center 7 expose government waste right here in the Miami Valley and see the Wastebusters in action. You can't escape them, sir! They're the Wastebusters! New Center 7 Wastebusters. Weeknights at 6. Coverage you can count on. They'll find him. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Immigration. Remember, this administration has taken the title. We're the administration that really care for illegal, they call them immigrants. What they really are is illegal aliens. But anyway, we're the only ones that have heart for them. We're interested in helping them find better lives for themselves and their family members, and everybody deserves an equal chance. Well, that's not exactly what this administration lets play out when these illegals show up here. Everybody gets a chance. They basically are saying, come on over. We'll take care of you and your family for the rest of your life, beginning when you get here. Just get here. You're set for life. Well, as it turns out, it's not necessarily for every immigrant. You do realize we have a little incident a little happening, happening 90 miles from Miami right now in Cuba. A massive, a massive pushback against the egregious Cuban government. Ted Cruz, and I, I, I kept waiting, Ted Cruz, very vocal. His father was born and raised in Cuba, immigrated to the U.S. Marco Rubio's also, his parents the same way. I think, I'm not sure, but I think Rubio's wife is a Cuban immigrant. Dan Bongino's wife, I know, is. Yesterday, on the Fox News Channel's America Report, Senator Ted Cruz argued that the Biden administration only has an aversion to people entering the United States illegally if they're Cuban. And the only immigrants on the face of the earth that they don't want to come to America are Cubans. Now, that's an interesting Perspective. Where do you think that came from? Well, Cruz, he said, it seems for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the only immigrants on the face of the earth they don't want to come to America are Cubans. That's the only instance in which the Biden administration is expressing any resistance to people coming here illegally. Of course, 
in Texas, Texas has virtually open borders right now because of the federal government and their lack of enforcing immigration laws at the southern border in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. We had the Biden Department of Health and Services releasing people, hundreds of thousands of people. But then, the Secretary of Homeland Security, who might that be? Alejandro Mayorkas, I like saying that. And he was asked, I think this was yesterday, I'm pretty sure. He was asked about the Cubans because, as you know, there's no way for a Cuban dissipant to walk across the land to get to the United States as all those people in Central America and Mexico are able to do. they got to come by sea somehow. Well, you would think based on all of the things we've heard Secretary Mayorkas say about how we are so caring and so kind and open and supportive for people that are fleeing horrible situations in their home countries to come here. Kamala Harris, oh my gosh, she had everybody crying when she talked about the horrible conditions in these Northern Triangle countries in Central America. They had droughts, they had hurricanes, and they can't find work, and we're just kind, and we're kind-hearted, not evil Trump Republicans that don't have a heart for people who are just trying to make a better life for themselves. We heard that same line over and over and over again and again and again from all of the Biden folks until Cuba's new crisis. And it is a crisis. It really is. Cuban's government, the communist government, They're killing people. They're shooting people. We hear stories leaked out every day. They've shut down the internet. All radio stations and TV stations are shut down. You can't transfer money to your relatives in Cuba. The banks are locked up. And Mayorkas, he's remembering what happened in the original Cuban crisis and how so many people suffered coming across that 90-mile ocean to get to the United States. So deep in his heart, the guy who has the greatest love and respect and care and concern for immigrants everywhere that want to come to the U.S., he took to the podium and he announced how we can help these Cubans. Listen closely. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. So let's put this in a real simple little analysis for you. Joe Biden... He speaks through all of his department secretaries. I mean, that's that's how it works. They all speak for the president of the United States. Joe Biden is a xenophobe. Oh my gosh. What's a xenophobe, Dan? A xenophobe is somebody who looks at people from other countries and just doesn't like them simply because they're coming from other countries. So, if Biden and Harris and Mayorkas, 
if their hearts were really where they're screaming at us that they are for these poor immigrants. 63 different countries have sent immigrants to our southern border. 63 have been confirmed. That's a lot of countries. Originally, they told us these are all coming from those three oppressed Northern Triangle countries in Central America, fighting the long, 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 long trip coming through Mexico and Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador just to get here, running from drug cartels and sex and human traffickers and drug traffickers, evading them just to find a place for safety and security where we can begin our new lives. And then you hear Mayorkas. If you come to America by sea, you will not be accepted. So what does that mean? Well, it's Cuba right now. But what about Haiti? What about other countries in the Caribbean? What about those Eastern Central America and Northwest South American countries where if people did come here, they would obviously come by the sea. He did not say, if you're Cuban, find a way to get here through the air or on the ground or you won't be able to come. He didn't say that. What he said was, if you come by sea, he didn't mention Cuba. If you come by sea, if you come by sea, you're going to be turned away. What is that all about? I, 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 I will just tell you this. I don't have an answer for it. I can make an assumption. I'm not going to do that. But there is more news to come on that. And I think when it does show up, when the evidence gets wider, I think they are xenophobic. I think they, being the Biden administration, I think they have a stake and I don't know what the stake is comprised of. I will tell you this. I've spent a lot of time in all different parts of Mexico. And I can tell you one thing. I've been in several parts of it. Cabo San Lucas, folks. Punta Mita. Those are two of the most unbelievable places on planet Earth. They are spectacular. They're on the water. Cabo San Lucas, if you didn't know it, it's right on the southern tip of the Baja Peninsula. And when you're at Cabo, on one side, there's a little, it's a, it's a very narrow, what do they call that, an isthmus? Very narrow. On one side of it, the west side of it, is the Pacific Ocean. And then on the inside of it is the Sea of Cortez. And so you've got an ocean and you've got a sea. Cabo San Lucas is literally right on the tip of that isthmus and you can see both the Pacific and the Sea of Cortez at the same time that gorgeous sand, crystal blue water, great summer temperatures year-round. It gets it gets hot in July, no doubt about it. I've been there in July playing golf. It's hot, but guess what you get to do? You've got that sea breeze 24-7, and the food, O-M-G. <laughs> and then Punta Mita, you fly into Puerto Vallarta, and it's in a big bay on the west side of Mexico, and from Puerto Vallarta, you go out about 20 miles around to the tip of where this bay ends and the Pacific Ocean starts. Punta Mita is an exclusive resort area built out there. Same thing holds true. 
as in Cabo San Lucas. Now, why are you bringing that up, Dan? Anytime you have a question about the motives of politicians, follow the money. And of course, you know, nice places in resort Caribbean style <laughs> locations, that's just one opportunity, but I'm making you think. Why would they be so adamant anti-Cuban immigrant? And they have been so far. Do you know this government has said nothing in support of these Cuban protesters other than we support the, their right to peacefully protest? That's all they've said. Did you ever hear anything so benign come out of their mouths about the conditions these immigrants are facing in Central America and Mexico that are coming here in the tens of thousands? Oh no, we've got to, we've just got to open the door to them, give them a chance. So what's really going on in Cuba? Let's take a quick look at Cuba. These protesters took to the streets in dozens of towns and cities across Cuba on Sunday. Some estimates suggest as many as 60 different cities and towns where they rose up demanding an end to not what the Biden administration said, but what they were really doing. And if you can understand Spanish, you saw and heard it on television, you can interpret for yourself. They're demanding an end to communism. And this didn't just happen. This is the culmination of about 20 years of organized dissident action in the country since that black spring of 2003. You remember that? That was the last major violent crackdown on pro-democracy voices across Cuba. Protesters chanted freedom this weekend, and still are every day, and other anti-communist slogans. They made clear that what they want is an end to the 62-year-old Castro regime. The Cuban Communist Party, they responded, of course, as you know they would. They issued an, what they call, an order of combat that commanded all of the communist loyalists to take to the streets too, but they told these communist loyalists to violently assault peaceful protesters. That's all documented, folks. It also shut down the internet for much of the week, making international reporting really tough to do because without the internet, of course, you know, you can't get news anywhere out of your little plot. The very little information that Cubans have managed to get out of the country indicates that protests have continued every day since Sunday and included widespread reports of police, gang beatings, assassinations, deadly door-to-door -door raids. Now, I got to be honest with you, you put that in the context of people having problems getting food, you put that in the context of what's happening in Cuba, assassinating people. The police are gang-beating people. They're raiding door-to-door -door and shooting people. And our government doesn't want to help these people out. If Donald Trump was still president, you know what he would do? He would have sent ships down there. You know, we have a little spot down there that technically belongs to us. We have a military base down there in Cuba. So our government could legally go down there and do something to help these dissidents that want to leave to get away. Uh-uh-uh-uh.
I just don't understand it. I expected when this happened, they would jump all over the opportunity to find some more immigrants because this administration has painted itself to be the American life for everybody. We're going to give it to everybody. So here they are. They're getting shot in their houses. They're not even doing anything wrong except protesting and they're giving their lives and they're wanting to leave and Joe Biden, Secretary of Homeland Security, made it clear what they're supposed to not do. Allow me to be clear. If you take to the sea, you will not come to the United States. The time is never right to attempt migration by sea. To those who risk their lives doing so, this risk is not worth taking. Again, I repeat, do not risk your life attempting to enter the United States illegally. You will not come to the United States. Xenophobic. Alejandro Mayorkas is xenophobic. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, xenophobic. They want anybody but Cuba. And somehow, in Democrat lingo, that means they're racist too. I don't know. I can't see their hearts, but I'm just telling you, it looks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. It's pretty much a duck. You disagree? (laughs) Okay. You disagree. Senator Marco Rubio, we mentioned a minute ago, his family's from there. So he even got a little more out there yesterday. He slammed our Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and he slammed him for inviting the United Nations to investigate racism uh, here. You're joking, Dan. No, 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 no. Our Secretary of State, he called for the United Nations to go outside the UN, where it's located, Southeast Manhattan. Go out in Manhattan and investigate the racism of Americans. But our Secretary of State didn't say anything to get the UN to prevent state-sponsored murder just 90 miles off our shores. What the heck is the UN supposed to do other than stuff like that? So they invite the UN to investigate us, but don't do squat to get the UN to investigate what's going on in Cuba. Rather, they should be transparent with their intent to grow and do better, Blinken stated on Twitter, talking about Cuba. And he invited the UN to come investigate us, you and me. We're racist. We're racist. We know we are for conservative. I mean, that's the way it is, right? If you're conservative, if you don't agree with the far left, if you don't like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley's ideas on everything, and don't forget about Ilhan Omar there, Dan, if you don't agree with their ideas, you're just automatically a racist. Conservatism is wrong. So Antony Blinken, supposed to be the Secretary of State, not the Secretary of the Democrat Party, and he goes to the UN, has no authority to go to the UN about anything, as a matter of fact. And he invites them to come investigate Americans for racism. Of course the UN will find it. You know why? Because it's here. It's everywhere. It doesn't wear a political party banner. It doesn't wear a MAGA hat. It doesn't wear a I hate Trump t-shirt either. 
Racism is an ideology that is adopted by people. You cannot make somebody be racist. You can't give birth to a racist. Whoever that person is that is racist, they have to choose to be racist. I'm just tired of all this crud that is being put out in the marketplace of the news and we're being told it's the truth. Why are you so upset about it? I'm not upset about it. I'm just nauseated to know it's not the truth. In fact, it's a lie. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie, hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield. And it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. Taking the time to speak the truth, no matter the cost. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. So what about all the big deals that have been on the um, the minds of Democrats. Big things they're going to do. The Biden administration is going to fix all the horrible things that were perpetrated under the Trump administration. What about all those things? Like the voter, are going to change voting laws. They can't get their SB1 on the floor to be debated. All they talk about is some way to circumvent the will of the people. What do you, what do you mean, Dan? Circumvent the will of the people? I mean, you know... Those evil Republicans in the Senate, they're stopping this from even coming to the floor to be debated, yet alone voted on. Hey, guess what? Congress is elected by the people. Americans choose who they want to send to Washington to represent them and to represent the people's ideas. If there was a mass consensus of Americans to support that voting overhaul at the federal level and for the federal government to take over all our election processes, they would have sent people to Washington, D.C. that agreed with that. The people they sent up there represent the people in the various states and congressional districts. 
So everybody else that needs to, uh, that wants to scream loud and gripe and cry and blame and point and obfuscate opportunity and abilities and responsibility for doing all kinds of things, when you took an oath to represent the people, guess what you need to do? You need to represent the people. Sit down and shut up. So that big thing, they can't get it done the right way, so they're trying to come out and find a way to do it backdoor. Backdoor. And yes, there are ways that it's been done in the past, and it's been wrong, it's been evil when they've done it. And it's not just a party thing. Republicans have done it too. It needs to be in the light so that everybody knows exactly what's going on before it's done. There's that one. Then there's the infrastructure bill in which Joe Biden... He wants to spend another $3.5 trillion. Hey, 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 that'll buy a lot of bridges and fix a lot of roads, won't it? That would be wonderful if that's all that was in it, but most of it is, you guessed it, it's pork. And they've been ramming it, beating the drum hard and hard. we got to do this. we got to fix our bridges. The problem is that's not what they want to do. They want to pass out billions of dollars to all of their social ills the Green New Deal. We want to make everybody energy independent while they've made us already totally dependent on other nations. In one day, Joe Biden destroyed the fact that we were energy independent. And you know who we're depending on now? And it's factual, folks. We didn't buy a drop of oil from Russia in years until... Joe Biden shut down the XL pipeline. The month of May, we bought six billion barrels. Six million barrels. Six million barrels. In July, in June, we bought seven. And it's projected we're going to buy more than that today. Now, why would that be? Why Russia? Hmm. Why Russia? What's the rule? Follow the money. Don't know anything, I'm just saying. Well, guess what's going on with the infrastructure bill? Looks like they don't have enough votes to get it passed. Jen Psaki said this yesterday, headed up to the Hill today because it's the next natural step. And as I said, he, Biden, knows that as president, you lay out an agenda to members of Congress to negotiate the details. And then it's his role to continue to engage in selling both parties, both packages to members and the Senate and the public. So in that press briefing, she answered a follow-up question on the timing of this two-track system. And she said this, the president expects to sign both pieces of legislation into law. Now I'm going to tell you what they individually are in just a second. They're on a dual track as he long said they would be on, and we're going to leave it to the leaders in the Senate and House to determine the sequencing. So, as usual, and this just hacks me off, the text of the Senate's budget package has yet to be released, but is planned to coincide with a bipartisan infrastructure two-pronged approach, and they're doing it, in their words, to circumvent a GOP filibuster using budget reconciliation, the same move the Democrats used to pass the president's $1.9 trillion pandemic aid package in March. So here's what it is. We've got two 
quote-unquote infrastructure bills. It's really not. It's only one, and only part of it is. One of it is real infrastructure. The other is all of the social ills that this administration wants to ram down the throats of Americans on top of what they've already rammed down our throats, and it is eaten up with their um, environmental specialty things. Battery cars, solar energy, the Green New Deal, environmental problems, and of course all the money that they say if they throw it at this, if they throw it at that, it's going to make life better and we're going to be able to become energy independent and we're going to be able to breathe when we go to sleep at night knowing that we're making the environment better for our kids and our grandkids. That's the two-pronged approach. And of course then we have the mandatory budget that every president is required constitutionally to present for the next fiscal year to both houses of Congress. They ain't got enough votes to get them through, folks. They do in the House, of course, but not in the Senate. So they're trying to backdoor and use trickery to not only get them in there, but to get them passed. And if you think the stuff we talked about yesterday on inflation is bad now, If they get any of this done, folks, you can bet our economy as we know it is toast. It won't take long, and you're going to pay out the wazoo on your credit card bills. Let me me just point something out. When you took out that credit card, there was some kind of ploy to get you to move your other accounts over there, yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm talking about. And they gave you a reduced interest rate number, but if you look in the fine print, in most of those cards, there are provisions that are in it that says whatever does or whatever might or when it does, all kinds of provisions, they have the right to ultimately raise your interest rate, in some cases, to as high as 30%. Now, I just encourage you to go look at the details of fine print on your own card account. But that's just one stop. Wait till you go buy gasoline Then, wait till you go to the grocery store. Hmm, wait till you go to the restaurant. Wait wait till you go to the clothing store to buy a new suit or new dress, new outfit. You're going to find out the cost of everything is going to skyrocket. And then it's just a daisy chain of effect. Nothing does like, nothing happens like that in a vacuum. They're all interconnected. I mean, if you raise interest rates, companies got to pay more to borrow money. They got to borrow money for cash flow in their businesses. They've been doing it all along. A good business has usually has a line of credit that it will use for short stop, short gap funding of operating their businesses. But then they pay it back. That's going to go up exponentially. So what do these companies do? They sell gasoline. They got to tag it on the price of gas. McDonald's, they sell hamburgers. They're going to have to raise the price of the McDonald burgers and fries product. And it's groceries. It's clothing. It's everything we do. Inflation will destroy our economy. And it didn't have to. It wasn't happening until Joe Biden was elected president. We're headed down that road already, folks. Inflation is already spookily arising much faster than it ever has in the last 15 to 20 years. And they've just gotten started. Wow. 
I don't even want to talk about that anymore. That's depressing and demoralizing. I remember when a dollar was worth a dollar. (laughs) How much is a dollar worth now? I don't know, but it's only pennies on what it was 25 or 30 years ago. The reason for that? Inflation. Inflation. So let's segue to another little topic here that we haven't talked about in a few days, but not because it's unimportant, but because we don't have any of the results. I'm talking about that audit that's underway in Maricopa County in Arizona. It's happening in Phoenix. It's been happening now for several months. An independent forensic audit is underway. It was instigated by the Senate of the Arizona government auditing the ballots and the results of the November 3rd election in Maricopa County. That's about 2.1 million voters. And as Phoenix, which that comprises most of Maricopa County, as Phoenix goes into an election, so goes the state of Arizona. Well, by a very slim margin, I think it's about 13,000 votes, Joe Biden won the state of Arizona. Massive numbers of voter fraud allegations were made by very, very good people, people willing to came, uh, come forward and put their observations and things they saw and experienced on the record. And of course, none of it ends up in court because state judges, most of who are Democrats, they would not even allow evidentiary hearings when lawsuits were filed And you can't get evidence into and on a court record unless a judge allows an evidentiary hearing. So the Senate kind of went around that process and they they got an audit order passed, got it through a lot of pushback and fighting from both the state Democrats and, of course, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer's gang out of D.C. They came down and sent the heavyweights and they got in court to fight to keep this audit from being done. Now, That by itself should raise a big red flag. Why would not an honest politician or two or three or four or 535, why wouldn't they want with the incessant hanging over people's lives question mark, was there cheating in voting in Maricopa County? Why wouldn't they want to get that resolved? Why wouldn't they want to get to the bottom of it? Even if there was no cheating there, wouldn't you think it would be prudent for them to prove to the American people, especially those citizens of Maricopa County, that Joe Biden won fairly? It was a fair and square and honest, impartial election. Because, folks, there are tens of millions of Americans that don't trust that this election from November 3rd was honest. I'm not going into the details there, but they fought it. They fought it. And so the results of this audit by this nonpartisan independent company out of Florida that's been doing the audit, the results are in. They haven't released a report, but information has come out that says, and one official made this statement, the number of votes certified by Maricopa County and the number of ballots counted at the audit do not match. Do not match. Now, they did not go into details. There was no speculation. Um, 
They just put that out. The numbers don't match. We don't know what that means, but it does mean this. The numbers don't match. How bad is it? Is it enough to change election results? I got to be honest with you. Do you realize what kind of can of worms would be opened up if it comes out that Biden did not win? The governor of Arizona, what would happen? The governor of Arizona has already said, if this audit comes back and and proves that there was cheating and the ballot numbers change to the point where it becomes apparent by the audit that Donald Trump won the election, he would decertify the victory for Joe Biden. Now, what does that mean? That would mean the electoral votes that represent or come out of Arizona that went to D.C. and cast their official ballots for the state of Arizona to be for Joe Biden, they would be invalidated. So what happens then? I don't know, folks. I can tell you, there would be chaos. There would be screaming and hollering, wailing and gnashing of teeth, no doubt about it. But won't it be nice to finally put to bed whether there is or isn't proof that that election was fair and that Joe Biden really won and that Raphael Warnock and Ossoff both were legally elected to serve in the U.S. Senate for the state of Georgia? Wouldn't that be prudent? Wouldn't that be smart to do? But yet they keep fighting. They keep fighting. They keep pushing, lashing out. Oh, no, Joe's just screamed over and over loudly in his speech in Philadelphia about horrible it is. There was no evidence of voter fraud in the election. They just don't even want to talk about that. In one state alone, do you know there are 600 plus, 600 plus right now, arrest, charges of voter fraud in the courts in Texas alone People charged with voter fraud in the November 3rd election. 600 cases. A real leader, an honest leader, would stand up and would demand that a nationwide audit, state by state, be held to verify the results. And I guess I I knocked it right on the head when I said an honest, a real leader. We don't have that, Joe Biden's president. I'm not demeaning the president. I prayed for him this morning. I pray for him every day. Pray for those in authority over you. And that's exactly what I do. I want him to be successful as president. I don't want him to fail as president because if that happens, it impacts you and me. (laughs) And I don't want any bad business. You know what I mean? So just talking for a moment about that election and its follow-up. Remember January 6th and the insurrection there. So in his quest to uh, align any, any person in America that wants voter reform with what happened in the Civil War, Joe Biden, he pounces on it. And so he slammed in his speech the conservative protest at the Capitol January 6th And he called it an assault on free and fair elections. Now, this is nuts, folks. This is nuts. He claimed the insurrectionists 
at that event are worse than slave-owning Confederates in the Civil War, who were all Democrats, by the way. Nobody wants to say that, but it's true. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War, Biden said on Tuesday. Confederates back then never breached the Capitol as insurrectionists did on January 6th. I'm not saying this to alarm you. I'm saying this because you should be alarmed, he said. But his remarks were hyperbolic. According to one news agency, the Civil War was the bloodiest war in the United States. An estimated 750,000 deaths in which the Confederate soldiers did not breach the Capitol. Meanwhile, that riot in January saw only one death. One death. They say that people died. One death as a direct result of what happened at the Capitol. Ashley Babbitt, by the way, was a U.S. Air Force veteran. She was shot in the Capitol. She didn't have a gun. She wasn't armed. She wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Was fatally shot by a Capitol Police officer as she climbed through a broken door into the House Speaker's lobby. Three others who died had medical emergencies. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, he suffered two strokes at the base of his brainstem due to a blood clot in an artery the day after the riot, and for months, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they told everybody that would listen that Brian Sicknick was killed. He was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher by one of those protesters, and it killed him. Nothing like that happened. Biden then turned his attack at Donald Trump and anybody else that challenged the 2020 election results. The big lie, that's the name they gave. The big lie. You don't call facts fake and then try to bring down the American experiment just because you're unhappy. That's not statesmanship. That's selfishness. That's not democracy. That's the denial of the right to vote. It suppresses. It subjugates. No, Mr. President, I'm sure you're not listening to me and nobody in your organization is listening to me, but here's what is un-American. When a real leader with so many pieces of evidence put in the public forum across the nation, in many of these states, because these district court judges, all Democrats, would not allow people's sworn affidavits to be entered in an evidentiary hearing about voter fraud in that election, because that wouldn't happen. The only way it could be brought into the public purview were for the state legislatures to hold public hearings, which they did. And across the nation, in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin, and in Arizona, the public heard when the media would cover them, people getting up under oath, swearing under oath, giving exact circumstances, documents, evidence, names, dates, times, proving all kinds of voter fraud. If Joe Biden was an honest politician, yet alone the president of the United States, an honest president would say, we need to shine the light of truth on all of this and get to the bottom of it. And if at the end of it, it is proven that the election really did, the true election, really did support Donald Trump, 
or Captain Kangaroo or whoever the results showed won the election, I'll step down. That would be an honest person. But here they are. They are fighting continuously, tooth and nail, to keep the truth from coming out, be found, to be confirmed. And the numbers may be confirmed to be the way it really was. And if that's the case, guess what? That's the case. Donald Trump would accept it. Would Joe Biden? Would Joe Biden? I guarantee you, he wouldn't. He's going to stand right where he is. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price participation may vary. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich, and you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, I was just thinking about it during the break, looking back at the day and the things that we've talked about, and we talked about the voter reform stuff and the Texas two bills that are under consideration. We didn't spend much time on the fact that those Democrats in the Texas Senate, and they jumped on two charter jets and uh, none of them wearing masks, and they weren't big jets. You know, I mean, they were uh, regional airline style. You know, the ones that carry about 50, 60 max, which means they were packed in there like sardines. And they had several cases of beer um, for the, the trek. And I've flown direct from, um, I hadn't flown direct from Austin to D.C., but I have from, from Dallas. So it's probably two and a half Two, two hours, three quarter, two forty-five, a little under three hours to make that flight. So, how much COVID was spread around the the cockpit? Not, not the cockpit, but the the cabin during that flight. No mask on. 
Can't do that in a commercial airline. They'll kick you out, drag you out by your heels. <laughs> but if you're in government, you're exempt from that. All that being said, we didn't talk much about it. So um, Fox News' Peter Ducey, he, uh, he did talk about it with um, Jen Psaki in the White House press briefing. Listen closely to this back and forth. Uh, about voting rights and these Texas lawmakers who have come to Washington, mm-hmm. do you know any of any examples from his 36 years in the Senate that Joe Biden just hopped on a train and left town to avoid a vote that he knew he was going to lose? Uh, welcome back. Um, <laughs> look, I think that the president's view is that um, these Texas legislators uh, were making a statement uh, through action uh, in opposition to efforts in their state to oppose restrictions on people's fundamental rights and their rights to vote in their state. That is why they departed. The, pre- the vice president uh, met with these legislators yesterday, uh, and the vice president, and the president, I should say, certainly appra- applauds uh, their actions and their outspoken uh, opposition to states uh, to efforts to put in place restrictive measures in their state. And maybe it is funny to think about it that way, but the president is talking about this as the most serious assault on our democracy. I don't. Democracy I don't think anything about. So I don't war. think anything about this is funny. I think uh, what is important to note, though, here is that there are. 20 28 states, including Texas, where there are laws uh, in place or in process to make it harder to vote. And it requires uh, bold action. It requires bold voices to speak out against that and make sure people understand their rights. That's exactly what's happening here. So does the candidate, uh, who's now president, who told people he was going, he knew how to make deals with Republicans, he's meeting with Republicans today. Does he think that the best way to prevent something bad from happening that he thinks is bad from happening in Texas is for these lawmakers to be hiding out in a different state or for them to go back and sit down at the table. The president fundamentally believes you should work together in areas where you can find agreement, as he is on the bipartisan infrastructure framework that is going to help rebuild roads and rails and bridges around our country, and also that you should be outspoken where you have concerns about affronts to democracy. That's what he did yesterday, and that's what these legislators are doing now. That's not what these legislators are doing. They can't get this done. They can't get this resolved outside of Austin. I promise you, it's not going to happen without a consensus of members of the Austin legislature, the House and the Senate. They're going up there to try to beg and coax legislators at the federal level to overthrow the Senate filibuster so that at the federal level they can ram through, Congress can, the Senate can, the H.R. 1 bill that Nancy Pelosi crafted, they passed in the House, sent it over to the U.S. Senate, and the bill is to do one thing that will overarch everything in the elections in every state. You don't have any say-so about it ever again at a state level, which is, by the way, the way the Constitution says it. Now, constitutional experts have made it very, very clear, even if H.R. 1 or some version of it passes and is signed into law by Joe Biden, it will immediately be challenged at the U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Supreme Court, we've read it here on, on, uh, on air at TNN Live. The clause in the Supreme Court says, 
the sole authority on all things election-related within the states is given to and shall remain in the authority of each state's legislature, not governors, not political party members, not even the President of the United States, folks, the state legislatures, H.R. 1, in its entirety, if it's passed and signed into law, is unconstitutional. In fact, constitutional authorities have made it very clear. To change the election system structure, to move it if anybody wants to do it and get away with doing it legally, the way to do it is to amend the Constitution. And they certainly know Americans are not going to allow that. It takes a really, really big, bad situation to go back and do a constitutional amendment. It can be done. It has been done, what is it, 26 times? I think that's how many amendments there are. But in 240 years, that tells you very, very quickly it ain't easy to do, and it takes a bit to get it done. And what it takes to get it done that we don't have now is consensus among the electorate and therefore consensus among those lawmakers that would have to be in the middle of such a process. Something just popped up that caught my eye overnight. Something that happened yesterday in the MSNBC All In Show. Do you know who this new Democrat from New York, Representative Mondaire Jones, have you heard him? If you heard him talk, you know anything about him? Well, yesterday on this show, he urged the president to make multiracial democracy a priority in his presidency. And so for comparison's sakes, he he likened his instructions or his plea to the president to do it to the effort to what former President Lyndon B. Johnson undertook during his presidency. Here's what Jones said, Democrats have unified control of the federal government. I didn't know that. I know they have a technical majority in the Senate, but they don't control the Senate. They do have a small, very slim majority, the smallest majority in, I gosh, I don't know how long, but it's decades in the House of Representatives, and it's a 50-50 tie in the Senate. They do have the White House, but he was kind of right and kind of wrong. Democrats have unified control of the federal government, he said, and can deliver on the promise of a multiracial democracy by simply passing voting rights legislation on a majority vote, right? So we have to try. This president can have an LBJ moment where he makes multiracial democracy the singular project at this stage of his presidency. And he can prevail. I've got to believe, especially given some of the eight historical, illogical arguments set forth by Senators Manchin and Cinema with respect to the origins of the filibuster and what happens when you get rid of it, that there is something that they want. There was something that he can do in exchange for their support for salvaging our ailing democracy. But he has to try. That's an interesting thought process. In other words, here's a guy that just got to Congress. He was just elected in November. Brand new up there, and he comes in, and in the uh, politically correct way, he's talking to Chris, whatever his name is, Chris Hayes, 
who is the guy that looks like and talks like he's an intellectual, a real know-it-all guy at MSNBC. I've never liked him just because of the way he talks down to everybody. Nevertheless, Mondaire Jones is talking to Chris and he's basically throwing it out there that, hey, government is all quid pro quo. Everybody knows that. Everybody, when they say, we don't like something, what they're really saying is, we want something and we'll cave and go against our voting constituents and we'll sell out. You just got to offer us the right thing. Jones continued, and he's talking about the president. And to be taken seriously by them and by the American people, I think he, Biden, has to describe a solution that is credible. That requires knowing that we can't get 10 Republican senators to even support a bipartisan commission to investigate the deadly events on January 6th, dispensing with a SIP, the filibuster, and protecting the right to vote because the consequences otherwise are dire for our democracy. Now, let me just stop right there and say that this is this guy's opinion. I respect that. But it's nothing more than an opinion. It's an opinion. And it's okay to express your opinion within the context of where your opinion matters. It doesn't matter on MSNBC. And you can't do what you want to do on your own. So instead of going up there and talking to Christopher Hayes and all 13 of his viewers every night, instead of doing that, why don't you talk to people that can make a difference? Why don't you get your butt across to the Senate, to your compadres over there, the ones that you're deriding, Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin, and sit down with them and convince them that the filibuster is really the thing that needs to be broken and f- make a plan and present it to them that backs it up with facts. Coerce them using logic and reason and not leftist political thuggery trying to demean people into doing things. I am sick and tired of the bullying that happens every day on the part of the left, up and down. It doesn't matter if you're brand new to the House of Representatives, if you're a leader. Nancy Pelosi acts and talks and thinks and treats people like she is just a couple of notches below God in heaven. And she talks down to everybody. Folks, I can tell you one thing about Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Oh, and Steve Scalise and Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, where'd that come from? He represents the 4th Congressional District in the House of Representatives, and he lives around the corner. (laughs) Everybody up there is in the same boat. They are elected to do one thing, represent the people. None of them have unilateral authority to do anything. And any time they have manipulated the system to make it so that they can do that, like reported yesterday, Joe Biden unilaterally canceled 50, I'm sorry, almost a billion dollars now, he all, all by himself canceled student debt. The Constitution says all matters of revenue, government revenue based on tax day or money has got to go through the House of Representatives. None of that did. 
It's not constitutional for one person to do anything. That's called an autocracy. And the Democrats were screaming for four years that that's what Donald Trump wanted to be. And we have that wannabe sitting in the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. This morning, he probably just finished his mid-morning bowl of oatmeal. But you know what is saddest of all? Representative Mondaire Jones out of New York, what he's saying, it's the same thing that is shared by a bunch of people in Washington that don't give a rip about the constitutional authority, the structure of democracy here in the United States and the representative republic, and they don't even give a whisper of thought to just tearing it up and doing it just because they want to do it, not because it needs to be done, not because the people want it to be done, but because they think it's right, they think it's something they should do, that's good enough. Let's just do it. You know who we haven't heard much about of late? Washington, D.C. Muriel Bowser, the mayor there. Well, she's back in the news today. Activist with a group called Anacostia, conservative coalition. They held a news conference to protest the mayor's alleged human rights abuses of inmates. People in jail who were held in near solitary confinement at the D.C. jail during the coronavirus pandemic for almost 400 days straight. That's more than a year, folks. 1,500 people at the D.C. jail were locked in their cells for 24 hours a day. And they did that in the guise to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Now, this is coming from the Washington Post. We all know how credible they are. (laughs) Activists called for congressional action against the mayor, the D.C. City Council, and all other parties complicit in this and included in it, they allege, are violation of basic human rights. They gathered at the Black Lives Matter Plaza yesterday, according to the coalition. The bottom line is simple, they say. We stand next to a sign that says Black Lives Matter, yet the majority of the lives that are going unmattered in D.C. jail are black lives. Black men like myself, said Ken McClinton. McClinton is the father of journalist Charnice Milton, who was shot and killed on her way home from work in 2015. My love for my daughter extends to the Constitution itself. No man, woman, or child ever suspects involved in my daughter's death should never face this nation without the constitutional protections under the law. Got to be honest with you. 400 days straight, that means you only got 400 hours, one hour each day for 400 days, more than 13 months, the only time you got to walk around. I don't know about that. I don't know Muriel Bowser, but I know her politics, and uh, she's African-American. It seems like she would be a little more concerned about the treatment of African-Americans, even those in prison, than to allow this to happen. I wonder if anything's going to come out of it. We'll watch here. I brought it to you because it it just really sounded uh, kind of weird and evil. So listen, folks, let me challenge you one more time. Don't get down. Don't get discouraged. Don't get beat up. Don't let everything that you're seeing and hearing and worry and concern about those 
and then worry about things that you really don't have any control over. Don't let those things suck you into making any real bad choices. Make all your choices thoughtfully, prayerfully. Reason them out. Sometimes you got to act quickly. I understand that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about major changes based on circumstances. And let me give you a little piece of advice as we close. Regarding circumstances, there are a lot of things in life that you have no control over. But there are a lot of things that we do control. A lot of the things in our circumstances we have some input into. Carefully ponder those things, especially when they deal with family matters. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. And make your decisions prayerfully. You can't go wrong doing that. It's a wrap on Wednesday, Thursday. It's Thursday. Right? Yeah, today's Thursday. It's a wrap. Make sure you're back tomorrow morning and check out tomorrow's story. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you for being here every Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 at TNN Live. Have a great day, folks.